Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this uh, Palm Sunday, as some referred to it. Lord, we just lift you up every day. Every day is Holy Week with us. Every week is Holy Week for the saints of God. And that's all of your children are the saints of God, Lord. And we just thank you that we're included in that number, that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Help us to grow closer to you. Thank you for revelation knowledge. Lord, thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here with us to come alongside us, take a hold together with all of the knowledge and revelation of your will and your way found in your word. Thank you for loving us so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Next week is... Resurrection Sunday, Easter, yes, so today is what most people refer to as Palm Sunday, one of my favorite scriptures that, that, um, that the Lord brought me to, and I've been mentioning the last few weeks, it's Luke 9.51, says, as the time approached for him, that's Jesus, to be taken up to heaven, he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And that impacted me so much. And then I came to an awareness that the Lord knew in his heart, and he was saying, And believing that his father would perfect that which concerneth him. Been prophesied by the prophet, by David, Psalm 138. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Jesus knew that. He prepared for 30 years for a three and a half year ministry that he knew was going to end with him hanging on a cross. And he resolved in his mind and heart to do and to be everything that God had created him to be and to do. Amen. I want to tell you today that God always desires, always is willing to accomplish everything that he has written in his book for you to fulfill Everything that he has for you to do and to be, he is more than able and more than willing for you to accomplish it all. But at the same time, we have to understand that God does not use his sovereignty sovereignty to control every aspect of a believer's life. We have a part to play. If he did take over, we would just be robots. He would be interfering with the free will that he has given us and he will not do that. He will protect your free will all the way to hell if you insist. And whenever a believer walks in pride, rebellion, unbelief, which basically encompasses all sin, anything that's not of faith is sin, then they put off or put on hold The efforts of the Holy Spirit to operate in their lives and to lead and to guide them and to reveal to them 
the things that he so desperately wants for them to know and to do. Jesus walked in victory and power and peace. It doesn't mean that he didn't have any problems. He had a lot of problems. He literally is the only one ever born to die. You know, you see that on the biker's deal sometimes, born to die, whatever, you know. No. You were born to really be reborn to, to eternal life. If God had his way... But Jesus was born to die for you and for me, and he knew it. And just think of yourself at 30 years old. I think everyone here today, as it happens, uh, can remember that. That means it's already happened. <laughs> and, uh, but just, just think how effective you would have been at ministering the love of God to people who rejected you, and were soon to kill you at 30 years old. But Jesus was sensitive to God. He didn't live by sight. He lived by faith. He trusted that his father, your father, our father in heaven would perfect those things which concern him. And because of that trust, he lived a life of faith in God and what the word of God said about him. He was Walking through his short ministry, fulfilling prophecies written about him in the Old Testament every day. And he knew in this coming week, he would fulfill the balance of them. Amen. Amen. Well, take that back. There are still some to come. Amen. Amen. This is our objective as well, as we look in on the life and ministry of Jesus, as we do every week, and I, it's always amazing to me when I hear people say things they've never heard before when I talk about it every week, and that's not a criticism. You know, you have to hear something seven times before you even hear every word, much less remember. It's like a kid coming home from school and say, what'd you learn today? <laughs> We could stand, I can stand at that door with a questionnaire about the previous week's sermon every week, and I, I guarantee you it would, it would not be fun. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm not saying it's not going in. <laughs> Never mind. I'll, Tavana tells me something. Sometimes you're rude. I said, I'm not rude. <laughs> it's it's, <laughs> it's meant in love. And if it's anything that comes across that way, it's to, to uh, motivate and inspire you to, to do something. Amen. <laughs> mm. As we look at Jesus on his journey to the cross. To fulfill his destiny on our behalf. We are growing. We are strengthening our relationship with him. And on the way. We're finding out more about who we really are. Because of him. And the work he accomplished on our behalf. Amen. Amen. Palm Sunday. Was prophesied around half a millennial. Before Jesus arrival in Jerusalem. 
by the prophet Zechariah in, in uh, Zechariah 9 9. He said that uh, rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you victorious, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And this prophecy was fulfilled in every particular, and it was it was it was a time of rejoicing for Jerusalem as they welcomed their new king. Unfortunately, it was very short-lived because they were carnal. Just doesn't always mean sinful, it just means natural. They were humanistic, they were of the flesh. They were not thinking of the spirit and they were looking for a messiah that would rescue them politically and nationally and he was there to rescue them spiritually which really that's the primary concern for everyone but if you will take care of that then all the rest will take care of itself amen that's the most important thing. It's the only thing that really matters. For we're only here for a flicker. Amen. Amen. You never see anyone on their deathbed saying, Man, I wish I would have uh, taken a little more life of ease. I would have... I mean, no. You do hear that when they work their whole life. But in other words, you don't ever hear them saying, I wish I would have just... Went to Vegas one more time, you know. <laughs> I wish I would have. <laughs> you know, I missed the <laughs> I missed that drinking contest last night. You know, I'm sad about that. No, it's always things about tell so and so I love them. Is so and so here? Have you talked to so and so? They're looking. It's all about people. It's all about love. It's all about. Unfortunately, so many time regrets. And uh, we don't really want that, you know. We can't undo the past, but we can do something. We're writing our future every day. And I tell people that think they've missed the boat, waited too long, already made their bed, and they're going to lie in it. If you just start today, talk to a group of men last night, and I... And they were, they were saying some nice things, and and I was telling them, well, you're, you know, you're all going to be believers by the time I'm done, because God is not finished with you yet. And uh, one of them started saying, that's funny. I said, yeah, what's funny? Nothing's funny because I've been praying for this for, for about a year now. And he said, well, my wife and I were just talking about going back, going to church, you know. We don't go. And I said, I know. He goes, but not that you have to. I, I said, well, you're right. You know, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car, that whole thing. But that's where you need to be if you're a believer. So you can serve and grow and all the things that go along with that. Jesus, in John twelve twenty four said... Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat, a seed, fall into the ground 
and die, it abideth alone. In other words, when you have a seed and it's just sitting there, that's all you're going to get. You have a seed and you can keep that seed as long as you want. But if you put it in the ground and let it to die, it bringeth forth much fruit, is what he said. When you plant seed, which is what I talk about every week, everything in the kingdom of God is in seed form. Went three weeks talking about finances and money and stuff like that to make you understand how the kingdom of God works. Money is just one of the things. Everything in the kingdom of God is in seed form. Even Jesus was a seed. And that's what he was talking about. He compared his death to the planting of a seed. He would rise again and bring forth much fruit. Many people. You and me. With him. That's us, brothers and sisters. He came just for that reason. He was comparing his death and resurrection to a grain of wheat just being planted in the ground and has to die. And then, before it, but once it goes into the ground, it can release that life. There's power, there's an, there's an igniter in there. And by being planted in the ground, it can release release the power that it takes for that ground to bring forth the fruit. When, When you see an acorn, do you think there's an oak tree in there? You look at a, a giant oak tree. Did that all come from that acorn? No. The power that the ground needed to ignite that supernatural growth of that tree required that type of seed to produce after its own kind. But the seed itself didn't produce the oak tree, the ground did. Everything needed for that oak tree is in the ground. And that seed told it what to do. <laughs> it's important that we understand this. And you'll, you'll understand why in the weeks to come. One of my friends, veteran, Look at Randy. I'm trying to think of ways to. My wife always says, "Draw me a picture. Help me to see. You know, understand." Says that he was. Uh, his dad was. Uh, uh, he, he did great things in the military. Um, very highly decorated. Just a, a bad A double S. All right. <laughs> one of them guys man and he says they used to play they used to play baseball with C4 they'd just wad it up in a ball and they'd hit it with a bat 
C4, just the size of a baseball, will blow this whole room up. Right, <laughs> right off the map. <laughs> but without a detonator, it was harmless. And that's what that seed is. That seed is the detonator that produces the necessary supernatural reaction of the, in the earth to produce something after its own kind. Amen. Amen. There's a coin that I have in my pocket. But Jesus was talking about His death in, in a, such a good way. Going to bring forth much fruit. That's hard for a 30-year-old man to think like that when he knows what's going to happen to him. It seemed like a terrible situation. But he made it a positive. And that's what we should do, by the way. Because without that, none of us would be going home to be with him. Amen. Amen. But how did he do that? How did he, was he able to do that? Somebody from Karis, I think, that came through one of the churches I pastored at and I ministered to, because a lot of times people go up there to Karis and then they, they leave and they think God stayed in Colorado. They start wondering what happened. <laughs> Not talking to I don't hear him. What does he want me to do? Has he forgotten me? And so I minister to a lot of people like that. Preachers all the way down to just normal folks like me. But this has a cross on the front. And then on the back, it says, When he was on the cross, you were on his mind. And that is special to me. Not the coin so much as the, the sentiment. Because that, that's what it was. Hebrews 12, 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, telling us, looking unto Jesus. Look up. Instead of around. That's what Peter made the mistake. Looking around at the wind and the waves. Instead of looking at Jesus, the author and finisher of his faith. And when he looked around and saw the storm around him, he began to sink. He put his focus back on Jesus. He lifted him right back up out of the water. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He saw that. He saw himself going home. He saw himself reunited with his father. He saw that he was accomplishing everything that he had set out to do. And it would soon be finished. And he was that necessary seed that would be planted in the ground. And he was looking forward to the family, the bride, the brothers and sisters that he was going to get because of it. And because of that, he was able to despise the shame. In other words, 
He wasn't focused on that. He endured it. When he could have just said, that's enough. Angels come forth. And one angel could have destroyed everything and everyone around him. And God could have, would have destroyed this whole earth and everybody in it. And he'd have started over with somebody else. Just like he did with Noah. But Jesus didn't give up. He didn't lose focus. He stayed his mind on the Lord. God said, I will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me because they trust in me. Jesus trusted the Father. Amen. I'm not saying it was easy. Anytime a man sweats blood, he's under a lot of stress. You know? And that's what he did in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Father, if there's any way... Take this cup from me. In other words, I I don't really want to go through with this if there's another way. But not my will be done, your will be done. How many times have we said that? A lot of things I don't want to do that I know is God's will and His way. A lot of times I don't want to forgive somebody right away. A lot of times... I don't want to do it God's way. <laughs> feel like I'm losing. Feel like they're getting the best of me. But I know what God says. And I know if I fight that battle, if I jump in with my own strength, my own words, my own way and will, in opposition to Him, God's going to resist me. As long as my eyes are focused on someone else, God's eyes are on me. I have to agree with Him. Let Him fight the battle. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's wiser. He loves me better than I love myself. Why wouldn't I trust Him? So Jesus was... In his agony, he was at peace. He was forgiving those who were mocking him and gambled for his clothes and were killing him and beaten. Lord, forgive him. Right there from the cross, looking down on the people, jeering at him and saying, Oh, Father, forgive them. Now, until we've gone that far, we haven't gone far enough. That's just the truth. He fulfilled his purpose, though. The seed was planted. The church was started. His bride, his family was started. And he has given authority to believers. The cornerstone of this great house has been laid. That's him. And the building blocks have been given to all believers. His authority, His provision, His power been given to us. And now, we need to be kingdom builders. Last week, I jokingly complained 
I don't know if there is such a thing. Veiled, maybe. Compl- I don't know. He doesn't miss anything, though. <laughs> now, I tell you, always keep me up late on Saturday night, give me a message. Well, I went to bed last night about 10.30. So that's pretty early. Probably first time in a long time. Because on Tuesday, I was working, and he just said, the ten virgins. And I started meditating on it. I know the parable and the ones that go with it. And by the end of the day, I was so jacked up, excited, and so just full of revelation knowledge. <laughs> that I was couldn't wait to get up here. And I just walked in the door that afternoon from work, and he said, because remember last week I, I said that, and then I said, why can't he give me a Tuesday message? <laughs> that was Tuesday. And I walked in the door, and he said, see, I can give you a Tuesday message. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Oh my goodness, he's so fun. He's so fun. I'm going to go with three quick parables in Matthew 25. Because Jesus has done his part. This week is the culmination of that. He's going into Jerusalem every day and teaching, knowing they're out to get him, out to kill him, knowing that one of the ones in his midst is a traitor and a thief. The treasurer never said anything to him about it. It was also part of prophecy that one of them would betray him. I love the story of him going to his friend Lazarus' house in Bethany, just a few miles out past Gethsemane, where they had a dinner at Simon the leper's house. And I'm sure he insisted on it being at his house because he had been healed of leprosy. We only hear about him one time in Scripture, and he's called Simon the leper. But you know he wasn't still a leper. He was one of Jesus' friends and very thankful. And he... Had this big, they had a big feast for him out there and a celebration. And he got to be with friends and a much needed rest one day and, and right back to it. But he was teaching and preaching every day. And he started telling them about what was required of believers while they were waiting for his return which I'm certain would be in about 2,000 years from that time which we are fast approaching. He's coming, folks. And I just want to look at this. We'll start right there at the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew chapter 25. And I'm just going to read 
Then the kingdom of heaven will be like... This is Jesus speaking in parables. Okay? Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. In their day, when a couple was engaged to be married, the bride bride would still be living at home. The bridegroom would be preparing their new home. And when he and... There would be people watching and waiting because they're fixing to have a huge celebration and sometimes go, you know, a week or more. But they'd be waiting and watching for the bridegroom, when he's done, to go to the house where the bride was and get her. Like he's fixing to do us. Amen. You with me? And when they saw him coming, they jumped in the procession. They were excited. It was part of the it was part of the excitement of the whole thing, watching and waiting for the bridegroom to come. Because when he, he went and he'd get her, and they would go back, and everyone would follow him. There'd be a big procession all the way back to his place. You see. Kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. The lamp would have been a clay pot lamp. An earthen vessel. Just like this one you live in. And the oil in the Bible always represents the Holy Spirit. Amen. Five of them took their lamps. They took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. And at the midnight cry... We'll be going home. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. That means they cranked them up. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. (laughs) (laughs) For our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, Go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Jesus is talking to us. He's talking to us here. I mean, do you, you get the impact of that, right? This is not old covenant law. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. To us.
We had five wedding crashers there, didn't we? I told Savannah, she's like, what are you going to... What did the Lord say? I said, well, he started off all week. He's been talking to me about the ten virgins. Oh, I remember that one, she says. They're on a hill. <laughs> and then some of, them, some of them didn't have enough oil, and some of them did. And so, so then the others shared with them. But I said, no, baby. I said, it's, it's just like you to say that, though, because that's what you'd want to do. That's what we'd all want to do. For anyone we loved or cared about, or just anybody, we don't want anyone to miss God, do we? We would love to share our oil with them. If Jesus is coming and we knew that they still weren't saved or if they're backslidden and they just had closed off their hearts to God and just weren't right. Their lamps were empty. We we, we just want to hear, 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 have some of mine. And I said, no, baby, that's the whole point the Lord was making is that He can't. We can't. Everybody has to have their own. She said, yeah, that's right. I remember now. You have to have your own relationship with God. I said, that's right, baby. She said, you can't coattail it in. I said, that's right. That's what he's trying to tell us. Spiritual preparation can't be bought, can't be borrowed at the last minute. Our relationship with God has to be our own. Let me continue reading. The parable of the talents is next. Starts at the 14th verse. The very next verse. Jesus still talking. And he's still trying to explain about the kingdom of God and his return. For it will be like a man going on a journey. Who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents. A talent is just um, was amount of, of money, right? In this particular case, he's just using it as an example. It's like a it's a it's a pretty good sum of money, like a like a life's wage almost, you know. A talent to uh, another two talents. So he gave one five, and he gave another one two, and to another one. To each according to his ability. Okay? He expect the same from everybody. You see? He gave to each one according to his ability. God is fair and just. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five more. He doubled it. So also the one who had two talents made two talents more. He doubled what the Lord had entrusted to him as well. But the one who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. He took what he had given him and he just buried it in a hole. Now after a long time, I'd say about 2,000 years. (laughs) Just... The master 
of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Obviously, you know I was making a spiritual... Okay. (laughs) I didn't mean to imply these guys were 2,000 years old. Okay. After a long time of waiting... Where was I? Oh, my master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Verse, verse 20. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that the words we all want to hear? You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Reinhard Bonnke, the late great evangelist who say got millions upon millions in the continent of Africa saved. I heard him minister on this one time and he said, notice that the reward with God for doing well with what he's entrusted you with is always more work. <laughs> Don't think that it's going to just be sitting around when you get to heaven. <laughs> He also used this scripture to say it. If he can't accomplish it with a man, he'll use a woman, yes. Because it was something going on about women preachers at the time. And he said, yeah, he'll use whoever. I don't know why I said that, but you remember the, the late, uh, what was her name? Oh my goodness, she was so powerful. I can't think of her name right now. Powerful woman of God. It's where Andrew Womack went to one of her uh, meetings one time just to disprove that it, that it was all bunk. Because she was kind of weird. She spoke in the Elizabethan English. And I mean, think of this. And she fluttered around the stage in these long flowing dresses and stuff. She was kind of weird. What was her name? But she was awesome. She loved the Lord. She loved the Lord. And, uh, and Andrew was ushering there. But he was really just watching to see where the tricks were, you know, whatever. And he ended up having to carry this guy down who was in a wheelchair because they didn't have provision to get the wheelchair down there. So they had to bring it separately. He had to carry this guy down there and put him back in his wheelchair. And he said he was nothing but bones. And he said in a little while that guy came running up the aisles, you know, at one of her meetings. Nevertheless driving me crazy I can't think of her name right now it'll come to me in a minute I'll just blurt it out and you'll be what <laughs> so he doubled his his master said to him well done good and faithful servant you've done well with little I'll set you over much enter into the joy of your master and he also who had the two talents came forward saying master you delivered to me two talents here I've made two more talents His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Same reward, you see. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent. What's the opposite of faith? fear and without faith it's impossible to please God okay I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground 
have here is what is yours. He just gave him back the one. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. At least if you had put it in the bank, I'd at least got interest. If you weren't going to do anything else with it. So take the talent from him. Take the one, the one who has little, the one who has nothing. And give it to the one who has ten. Oh my God. You should be taking from the one that's rich and giving it all to him and share it equally. It's not what Jesus said. You wicked, slothful servant, you knew that I... So, then, you ought to... uh, Okay, so verse 28. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Where is that? Yeah. That's a real place, folks. Another hard teaching from Jesus. It's all about the importance of using well what God has entrusted to us. Matthew chapter 10, for example, Jesus entrusted his disciples and us, all believers, basically with authority, didn't he? That's something that can be entrusted to you that you expected to do something with. And he's been dealing with me about this one. That's why I mentioned it first. Because obviously it's everything's in seed form, right? He gave you talents and abilities and provision and all kinds of things. Everybody's different, but everybody's special, aren't they? In that regard. Everybody. There's something about you that is special, unique, and different. And, you know, you you have a message. You have a word. About God that somebody in your sphere of influence will hear you and they'll never hear it from me. They'll never receive it from me. They'll never hear of Reinhard Bonnke. They'll never hear of Andrew Womack. They'll never hear of Billy Graham. They will never ever. You will be the one that they will approach in, in heaven and say, man, I'm so glad that you, you just, it's just like over a, a month period, you just something came up in conversation. You were telling me about what God had done in your life. And it just wouldn't leave me alone. And so it caused me to... And then I bumped into somebody else. And they said the same thing. And it freaked me out. And I had to look up. I knew it was God. And thank you, brother. Because if it weren't for you, I probably wouldn't even be here in heaven with you now. You're going to have encounters like that when you get home, folks. I guarantee it. But in, in Matthew chapter 10, he gave us authority over demons and sickness and all the works of the devil. 
Y'all were just talking about a, a movie, The Resurrection, and, and how it was uh, the part about, Barbara was mentioning about the part in the upper room when Jesus had told his disciples, even though they had been with him for three years, they had seen him do all these wonderful things. They knew a lot. They had a lot to share. He said, go to Jerusalem. He said, and stay there. Don't do anything. Don't go preach. Don't go teach. Don't go try to do any miracles, signs, or wonders until you receive the gift. Until you receive the Holy Ghost. And then they were in the upper room when he came. And then, in the movie, it doesn't say this in the Bible, but that's what they were waiting for. In the movie, they got it right, apparently, because Peter says, now we can go. And he went out, and apparently they had the part from the book of Acts where he, uh, where they were on the way to church at, uh, that, that, that morning, and, and, uh, and they ran into an invalid, and he was... They looked at him and he, they, he looked at them and they, so he expected them to give him some money and he said, Peter said, silver and gold I don't have but what I do have, I give you. What did he have? Authority in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so do you folks. And he said, what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And he lifted him up by the hand and the guy stood up and walked. Amen. I can imagine. I can only imagine. It's our responsibility, folks, to heal the sick. Do you know that? Yes. <laughs> Cast out demons. Otherwise, we're not ever going to draw the kind of attention to the church that it deserves. That's why on the day, on the first day, what really happened that day, because that didn't happen that day. They just had to compress the movie, right? That happened a little later on when they were going to church and he healed him. But what did happen that day is Peter went out in the street and all the people that were with him in the upper room and they were speaking in tongues and everything and people started saying they were drunk. And Peter said, hold on. It's nine o'clock in the morning. They're not drunk like you think, but they've fulfilled the prophecy. And he quoted from the Old Testament. And then Peter preached a message. And the day that the law was given at the foot of Mount Sinai, 3,000 people died. Do you remember that? The day the Holy Ghost was given to the church, 3,000 people were added to the church that day. Reverse of the curse. Amen. Amen. Peter preached that first message. It was a thing of beauty. If you catch on fire for God, folks, the world will come watch you burn. If we will do that as a little body here, there's no limit to what God can do. We're not waiting on God. He's waiting on us. Amen. Amen. But I feel something. I feel something here. <laughs> because it's just, it's so, it would be so bizarre, it would just be perfect for God. 
I'm going to read this last one. Matthew 25, starting at the 31st verse. This is the one about sheep and goats. <laughs> when the Son of Man, he, he tells these three parables back to back. Actually, it's, not, it's more than three, but these three all go together. When the Son of Man comes in His glory. Okay, that's what we're talking about, His return. And all the angels with Him. Can you picture that? Not as a suffering Savior, but as a conquering King. In all His splendor, in all His glory. (laughs) Then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations. And He will separate people one from another... As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he'll place the sheep on his right. Who is that? Amen. Believers. But the goats on the left. Non-believers. Then the king, that's him, will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry... And you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to see me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did... We see you sick or in prison and visit you. And the king will answer them. Truly I say to you. As you did it to one of the least of these my brothers. Of the sheep. You did it to me. The church is supposed to be united folks. Not divided. The world will know the true believers of Jesus because of their love one for another. That's what he said. We need to get that straight. John said it that how if you say you love God but you hate your brother, he's talking about Christians. God who you can't see, you say you love but you hate the Christian brother that you can see, he said you're a liar. And John was not the kind to talk to people that way. He was just making it plain. Verse 41. Then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. You know, hell was not created for, for people. It was made for the fallen the, Satan and the fallen angels. But... Because of sin, entering into the garden, it had to be opened up, and it's and it's continued. You have to be enlarged. They've had building program going on in hell ever since. It's getting bigger, not smaller. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also 
will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Hard teachings. But Jesus just laying out the expectations for readiness and servitude for those who are called by his name. Paul in Romans chapter 12 says, therefore, after talking about all the wonderful things Jesus has done, what God has done on our behalf, By the mercies of God, because of all the merciful things and the grace that God has bestowed upon us. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Do not be worldly. Do not be carnal. Do not think like the world. Do not agree with the world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the washing of the water of the word. Become living sacrifices, he says. Problem with living sacrifices, like Andrew always says, they like to keep crawling down off the altar. (laughs) Well, there's provision made for that too. God's always ready to forgive us, isn't he, when we come to him with sincere heart and repent. It's already provided for. Just crawl back up there. (laughs) this last parable is just talking about the importance of serving others in need you know that's what our entire salvation is for we have this to offer right that's their greatest need is spiritual remember just like the people who saw him coming to Jerusalem on this Palm Sunday they wanted him to do some natural some carnal things to to, to kick Rome's butt out of there and to take over the army and to, to fix them politically and nationally, but he was there to do it spiritually. Well, we have that to offer others, you see. That's the greatest gift that we can offer. It's not supposed to be a private affair between you and Jesus like some Christians seem to think. I hear people say that all the time. The one I told you about, the friend of mine I grew up with, that reached out to me on, on a private message, however, you, whatever that is, about the how I could think this way, and I, I shared it with her, and she says, she said, "Oh, thank you. I, she, I really like what you say. I like the way you explain it all, and I, and I get it. But I would never discuss these or say these things in public." And I'm like, "Well, why? That's what's needed to be done." We're all going to be judged according to what we have done with our gifts, not others' gifts. We're not going to be compared. There's no comparison. This one did this, and look, you didn't do nearly as good as this. God's not like that. He's going to judge you based on known truth and on the talents and gifts and abilities that He gave you, what did you do with what I did give you? Not with what you didn't have. I don't expect that from you. 
But our works will be judged. The good news is they're going to be judged by what sort they are and not what size they are. Okay? That makes sense? Luke 19, verse 13, Jesus said, Occupy till I return, till I come back. So believers are to be ready for the Lord's return at any time, but we're supposed to work as if His return is still far off. Amen. But we have to decide something. We have to decide if we are really possessors of Christ or just professors of Christ. Sink in later, maybe. People say a lot of things, don't they? People make a lot of claims. People boast about a lot of things. But even when I was in the world, I always knew the big mouths were the easiest to knock down. and They talk too much. If you were going to do anything, you'd already done it. Me, on the other hand, I wasn't one to sit there and talk much about it. Got me in a lot of trouble. Thank God that He has taught me something new. Changed me. Didn't change me. He exchanged me. I hate the man that I was. And I'm glad that Jesus had mercy on me. I don't think I'm anything special. A guy wrote a letter to Andrew Walmack since I just have him on my mind today since Don came back. We're so happy to have Don back with us. And, uh, but a guy wrote a letter to Andrew one time and he said, I've learned so much. He goes, I walked with God for so many decades. And he goes, but, and then I started listening to your teachings and I, I really, it's changed me. He says, but t- answer me a question. He says, you about as dull <laughs> as they come. And I, I listen to my own messages, folks. I, I bore myself to death. I cannot stand to listen to me. I don't know why. But, but he asked, but this encourages me because this guy asked Andrew, he says, well, tell me something. He says, why does God only use hits from Texas to give this great revelation to and to be anointed? Because he was referring to at the time, you know, uh, Daddy Hagen, uh, Kenneth Hagen, great man of God, Kenneth Copeland, Andrew Womack, all hicks from Texas. And if you ever, and you think Andrew sounds like a hick from Texas, and I do, you ought to hear Kenneth Hagen if you had any old recordings. Boy, Daddy Hagen was really down in the woods. He, but Andrew wrote him back and he said, because hicks from Texas know that we can't do anything apart from God, and we admit it. And so we're usable. (laughs) And that's right where I'm at. I'm like, God, I don't know why anyone would ever listen to anything I have to say. But, so I won't, unless it's you. (laughs) Please let it always be you. Another woman came to Andrew, since we're talking about it, but she came to him one time, and she had a totally changed life. She had always been a Christian. She was a good, very, very nice woman, he said. And she would always been a believer, but she was very on sort of the left side of things. 
And I know it's a very tender and sore subject in the culture in which we live in. But, so she just told Andrew, she goes, you know, I've always been a Christian. And she goes, but I've, you know, and you've changed my life. Everything has come alive. The revelation knowledge that I have gained here, the understanding and the relationship I have now with Jesus, I, I just have to thank you for that. She goes, but I, when I first came here, she says, I, some of the things you talk about, talking about political and social issues, she goes, some of those things, she goes, I just couldn't stand it. My skin would crawl when you would talk about those things. And I just had to just, uh, just cringe and bear it. But then God started dealing with me. And now, at that time, she was completely in agreement with God and with the Word of God. And Andrew, in all sincerity, because he's always trying to understand, just as anybody who really loves all people and just really wants them all to know God and to understand His will and His ways, we're not out to just be against anyone, right? And so Andrew asked, Can I, let me ask you a question in all seriousness, and I will not judge you, I'm just really searching for the truth. He said, but how can anyone call themselves a Christian and believe the way that you did? He goes, I really just want to know. No judgment. Nothing. And she said something that he said changed his life. She said, I love God, but I didn't love the Word of God. And that I believe that some Many people really believe this. Just like my friend I told you about the other week who who reached out to me in all sincerity and love. Because she's just a good, loving person. Always was. Always has been. Still is. And people can't separate the sin from the sinner. And they say, if that's who they are, then just love them. And if that's who they were, if that's who God created them, we would just love that. And we do love them anyway. No matter what. But we can't call that which is evil good. And if God has a, a, a way, a will regarding anything, and He does about everything, then we're called to agree with God, aren't we? It's as simple as that. We hate the sin. We love the sinner. But anyway, <laughs> that, was the, that was the thing. And... Uh, it made an impact on him. And I, and I get that. But we are affected by what we hear and see in this world. And that's what's developed our mindsets, our opinions, and so forth and so on. And it has to be undone, a lot of it, through the washing of the water of the Word with the help of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way to do it. And listen, folks. The Bible says, do not be, de- be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Well, when you say that, when you hear that, you immediately think of people. Well, okay, bad, bad, bad apples, bad people you hang around with, whatever. He's warning us against that. And yes, this is true. But again, we don't hate anyone. And bad company could be anything that's going in these eye and ear gates. We watch and listen to a lot of stuff. That is really just lies and propaganda of the world. 
we got yet Savannah uh, got us I've been wanting for a while and she she's technical she has the patience for this stuff she got us pure fit flicks last night and I'm so excited I just saw the menu of all the Christian movies and series and all that stuff and even kids stuff for Harper and all that and we are so excited we're going to start watching the chosen tonight which is a series and it's on pure flicks and I can't wait to look about the other one you were talking about but it's important what goes in, you know. Bad company does corrupt good character. And that has to do with everything you see in here. The Bible says, I shall set no vile thing before me. You know, and it's not a condemning thing. It's just a warning that, listen, man, you got enough to overcome as it is in this world without putting things in on purpose that you have to go and get alone with the Lord and pray and pray in the Spirit to get rid of, you know, for extra hours. And the Word of God is necessary, just like Don was saying earlier. Why is the Word of God so powerful? It's the only offensive weapon mentioned in all of the armor of God. It's the sword of the Spirit. It's the most powerful weapon in the universe. This Bible right here, the Word of God. And you have to believe, first of all, like 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is God-breathed, given by inspiration of God. This book is written by the Holy Ghost through men. You have to know that and believe it first. Otherwise, you'll be willing to bend on it a little bit and discard certain portions and think that God has evolved. And this is just an old book written by men about God. But it's not. But why is it so powerful, this sword of the Spirit? It's backed up by God Himself. If, if, it, if God ever lied, the whole universe would come undone on a molecular level. If He said it, that settles it. If He promised it, it's His will to give it to you. You need to use the authority that God has given to you because you have it. The armies of God are behind this word. The, the, the angels of God are waiting to be empowered by your spoken word, which agrees with this, you see. Or the demons of Satan are empowered as well when you speak in opposition to this or when you speak your fears and doubts and unbelief and anger and jealousy and bitterness and rage and all these things that are not of God. They come against us, but we have to resist the devil and he will flee from us. Amen? Amen? And it's not the way that we think. It's the way that God says. You may love God and agree with the world. You might. And I believe that there are lots of people that they really have believed and received God for their forgiveness. And if they were to die, they would go to heaven. But you can't you can't agree with the world and build the kingdom. And you're supposed to be a kingdom builder. Amen? Amen. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. The spirit gives life. The flesh profiteth nothing. If it's not of the spirit, if it's not, what does it mean just walk after the spirit? To walk in agreement with the word of God. If it's not of the Spirit, it's of the flesh. And if it's of the flesh, it produces... Flesh produces flesh. Spirit produces spirit. So whatever you sow of the flesh, 
It's going to produce more of its kind in return to you. That's why I'm telling you, careful, careful, restraint. Go to God. Agree with God because that's going to come back to you. Now listen, don't get me wrong. There is crop failure available to the Christian. You can go repent. Go run to your daddy and tell him, listen, I blew it. I'm sorry. Help me to get it right. And he will help you to dig up that seed and it will not produce and get you a harvest, okay? And then you can just put some good seed in there behind it and it will start to bring what you want. I got to finish here. But that ground is always going to produce the seed that you sow in it. Jesus had a great result. And so should you. He's our greatest example. He carried it out. He followed through. I'm convinced that he had nothing more than you and I have available to us while he was in here in this world in his earthly ministry. It had to be so. Otherwise, he would not have been a kinsman redeemer able to redeem us. It was a man that gave away our rights and privileges. It was a man who had to earn it back. And Jesus did it perfectly. Amen. I want to tell you one last thing and I'm done. Think about Adam and Eve. Everything in the Old Testament is type and shadow. Amen. Right? Everything. I mean, I mean, I, mean, I can't, I've, I've revealed, uh, let's say, if I said a hundred things from the Old Covenant, I've shown you what it represented in the New Covenant. Would I be exaggerating? You think, okay, so there's literally thousands, right? Everything, every word is type and shadow of Jesus in some way in the Old Testament. Adam and Eve. God created everything. And then he looked around and Adam didn't have a partner suitable for him. A companion. He was lonely. He needed someone. He needed Eve. (laughs) And so God created Eve, not from the ground, but from the Adam. At some point, Jesus had to go to his Father in heaven and say, Father, I need a companion. I need others like me. I'm lonely. And from the last Adam, not the first Adam, this last Adam is what the Bible refers to as Jesus, he created us. Amen. Amen. Adam and Eve, when sin entered in, Corruption entered into that seed. They died. Like God said they would. Spiritually. When we sin. I can. I believe that the father. It probably went something like this. The father told Jesus. He said that. That woman I made for you, that bride, your church, has sinned. 
Somebody has to die. And I believe Jesus said, Let it be me. Let it be me. Lord, thank you. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for your perfect life and sacrifice on our behalf. Thank you for loving us so perfectly and providing for us so perfectly. Thank you for your will and your ways and your word to prepare us, not to scare us. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to walk it out. We can't do it without you. We won't even try. We need you. We're not doing anything without you. Help us to seek you about everything, to hear you clearly, to act on the things that we believe that you want for us, your will and your way. And Lord, if we if we missed it somewhere, if we're a little off and we took off in the direction we thought you wanted for us and we hear you saying, that's not it, turn left, turn right, help us make the course corrections we need. We're not going to stay moored to the dock. We're going to head off in the direction we believe that you want us to go. So we get something done. Once we're moving in the water, you can you can change the you can direct the ship by moving the rudder. If we're anchored to the dock, you can't. So we're going to do something. We're going to occupy until you return. We're going to try to use all the gifts and talents and abilities and provisions you've given us to be kingdom builders. We're going to share you with others, Lord, with the same help, the same healing everywhere we hurt, the same empowerment by your precious promises, the same love we've received from you, the same prosperity we receive from you, the God of abundance. We're going to share all of this with a sick and dying world, not knowing which ones, as you do, will receive you. Lead us to the people. That you want us to be a blessing to, Lord. Help us to hear you clearly. Help us to have wisdom, Lord, so we know. Thank you. Thank you for your... Thank you for the cross. Thank you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.